Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Forrest. And this is The Crosscut, a podcast that contextualizes the news of the day with the story themes and motifs of a treasured or trashed piece of cinema. I was trying to do my best Android voice. Hmm. It, it could use a little polishing. Just a little upgrade? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll work on it. Yeah. Not believable. Not quite believable. Okay. Well, I mean, if we're talking about things that are not quite believable, then I seem to be right on target. <laughs> oh, is that a, a little uh, peek into your thoughts on the film? I mean, sh- sure. I guess it's everyone's thoughts on the film. That's the point of the film was to be <laughs> a bit unbelievable. But uh, that's right, everyone. Today we are talking about the... Uh, our. This is our first 2023 release that we're talking Ooh. about. Yeah, it is Megan or m Thregan, as we have... Uh, been clear to say, I guess. Sure. I, I, I can't believe that it's a 2023 release. When you mentioned that the other day, yesterday, when Mm -hmm. we watched this, I, 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 like, I remembered people talking about this and in my mind, it was like six months ago. Sure. But apparently it was only a month ago. Yeah. And it has just felt like six months. Yep, January 7th was the uh, <laughs> wide release. Or I'm sorry, January 6th was the wide release in the United States. Uh, now, it did actually premiere mm. in L.A. in December of last year. But that, like, premieres are well ahead of the actual release, right? So Right, right. Yeah, I think I heard, like, maybe Sam Sanders talking about it and, like, some other podcasts. But yeah. I'm, it, it really, I thought it happened in the summertime. <laughs> Well, and it actually, I mean, the reason you think that is because of a very effective marketing campaign that the movie ran mm-hmm. in advance of its release. So, you know, we'll get into that and all, all in, a, in a little bit. But yeah, there's a reason why you it was top of mind for quite a while. Yeah. Um, I don't usually pay attention to horror films. I don't usually watch them. Right. And this one definitely is one of the few that, that stuck out in just like marketing and, and made its way onto my radar. And yeah. And it's, it's a movie that I like, I never even pitched to you as like something we should do because I know you don't really, or you're not into horror, mm-hmm. but then I think you like heard enough about it from other people and the zeitgeist and whatever. You're like, well, it's not really like scary horror or whatever. Right. Right. Other horror films that I've watched, quote unquote, horror films that mm-hmm. I've watched and enjoyed, um, are get out. Sure. And, um, I mean, I guess Silence of the Lambs is on, is, is that a horror film? Does that count as a horror film or not really? It's, um, it's a thriller, but uh, so I think you could probably throw it in like thriller horror. Yeah. Sure. Original Scream. Yeah, definitely a horror film. Was, was a great film. Yeah. Um, and then The Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. So, which you so, told me was not really like a horror film traditionally. It's like no. tongue in cheek. Yeah. It's very and, meta about the horror genre. So is Scream, to be fair. Right, right. And so I think that, like, maybe the the through line for me in horror films that I watch is, like, there's a little bit of, like, breaking the fourth wall. Yep. You know, uh, where, like, they are, they know that we know. And yes. so it, it's not as scary yeah. to watch. And it's more like a commentary on the film genre itself. Yeah. Well, to, to, I guess, go ahead and get into it. I mean, we're going to get into the news in just a second. But yeah. that, that space is exactly where the writer of the movie uh, says that she likes to to play, right? So she's this writer. Um, yeah. So her name is Akila Cooper, mm-hmm. and she is the writer of this, also a movie called Malignant, which got quite a bit of buzz last year. Uh-huh. She's also writing, uh, I think, the upcoming The Nun 2. Okay. I don't know about The Nun 1, but I guess this one is Back in the Habit, 
if I shush, <laughs> shush. Um, but she she had like a history in um, uh, TV, like writing episodic TV and stuff like that. But she loved horror and got into this, and and she um, was approached by the production company to write the script. And she says like everything that you write now in terms of horror has to be like perceived in a post scream world. Mm-hmm. It is where the audience is smart. The audience does not. Um, have like fall for the same tricks that they did in like 80s horror, right. 90s horror, right? You have to do some new stuff. So for her, it's like being a little more crazy about it right. um, and a little more wild with stuff. And Malignant is is very much that. And this is like even toned down compared mm-hmm. to Malignant. But, you know, she knew what she was doing. She's very, very clearly wrote it in a way that um, a- amplified some of the sort of campy elements. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And it was uh, definitely the reason that I think it got a lot of buzz and ended up on my radar at all is because of how people were talking about how it was very campy and Mm -hmm. how hilarious it was. And I was like, okay, well, I got to see this really funny robot doll. Right. Yes. Yeah. I I have to see the looks that everybody is talking about that she gives. Yes. And uh, truly experience it for myself. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and we did, and they were there for sure. Uh, we'll talk about how they actually created some of that stuff. I want to know. Yeah. Um, but uh, before we get into that, yes. you have a news story about another creepy doll that we uh, can can actually try to understand a little bit better as as two olds, <laughs> elder millennials that we are. A couple of old heads over here. Yeah. Uh, we actually brought in a special guest. That's right. Uh, yeah. Our... My- our, our six-year-old niece. Our, that's right. Our six-year-old niece, Iris, and her dad, my brother, yep. Matthew, uh, are going to be joining us a little bit later on to talk to us about Huggy Wuggy. It's something that she has been interested in for a while now. Yeah. Um, so definitely a tastemaker. Yeah. She's got the doll. She's like got pictures of him in, in her like her journal um, that she colors and stuff. So it's it's terrifying it's a terrifying little creature yeah Yeah. like that she's so into it (laughs) and it's cute that like it's very like it's weird because i think i mentioned this is like there are things from my childhood that like people at the time thought were like creepy but i was like oh this is cute like right you know sally from uh nightmare before christmas like her like arms are always falling off and she has like sew them back on like that's kind of creepy looking at it abstractly Mm -hmm. but in the terms of the story uh it's it's kind of cute and so I don't know anything about Huggy Wuggy. Maybe it's cute in terms of the story. We've got some sharp teeth. Yes. Looks scary. Yes. We'll hug you till you pop, according to Iris. <laughs> uh, but we're going to get into it. We're going to learn some more. So That's right. why don't you kick us off? All right. A terrifying toy has infiltrated the shelves of toy stores and gift shops both online and on the streets of touristy cities like New York. This purple doll is often seen with huge maniacal eyes and a giant open mouth teeming with long razor sharp teeth and children as young as five and six are obsessed with him. Yeah, there you go. His name is Huggy Wuggy. Yeah. (laughs) I'm trying to think of like what was I watching at five years old mm-hmm. that would have been comparable? Like uh, we mentioned Nightmare Before Christmas in the interview and that wasn't out when I was five. Um, right. But I'm like, I don't know. I saw like the Terminator pretty young because my mom's name is Sarah Connor. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I also uh, I am th- like I would wake up and watch Saturday morning cartoons and I would watch Winnie the Pooh. So I'm not sure that we had 
something like that. that Little was Monsters. Like a, Do you remember that oh, movie? Oh yeah, Little Monsters. I, I you know I did have like Garbage Pail Kids. Yeah, I had some of those. Mm-hmm. I had. Um, I mean, Garbage Pail Kids were not as really scary, gross. but they're pretty disgusting. Yeah, and I also had some of the uh, Monster in my pockets. So yeah, okay, I guess there was some Monster. Yeah, my my, like my best friend, the Monster, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there were those were like um, classic, like Universal Monster kind of things, but definitely. Had some of those. Okay, right on. I think that there's an element to it. And I think that there's also an element to kids liking to be scared. Um, as it, it, not, that, not to sound like one of those like, oh, kids nowadays are too sheltered. But I, I will say that like we do shelter caches probably more than we were sheltered. I remember being young and watching a lot of movies with my parents. We would go to Blockbuster and yeah. we'd get our movies for that, for that weekend every Friday. And we would all just like watch the same things and <laughs> just would get to a part that's inappropriate for a kid. And my mom would just put her hands yeah. very loosely in front of my eyes and I could still just see through her right. fingers. And it, like, you know, it, it definitely um, wasn't the best like barrier. Right. There was uh, <laughs> no real parental controls. I could still just day. hear everything. Yeah. Um, but you know, there. So, so we were not nearly as sheltered as as with Cassius, but I think that, you know, we also just see that he gets upset, and and are just making the choice to like not have him see right. something. Well, and I will know? say like he is self centered recently, where he watched uh, Star Wars: A New Hope yesterday. Yeah, and he's seen it before. He's seen the whole thing all the way through, but he doesn't like the scene where. Darth Vader and Obi-Wan fight and Obi-Wan like gets struck down by Vader. Mm-hmm. It scares him and right. he, or it makes him feel bad. I don't know if it scares him, but, and then he, he definitely gets scared by the scene from Empire Strikes Back where they're on Dagobah and like Darth Vader comes out of the shadows and it's like Luke's, you know, imagination or whatever. He didn't want to see that. And he asked to skip it. Right. Said, sure. Okay. No right. Problem. And he also doesn't like, you know, the sea witch from, well, he didn't like any witches, but <laughs> the sea witch, uh, Ursula from The Little Mermaid, he's yeah. like super, super not into witches. And so I think that for like for both of us, we've just been like, okay, well, if he's that afraid of something that seems pretty benign yeah. to the two of us, then like our gauge must be way off. And we just, we'll just not, he doesn't get, he, he doesn't need to see that stuff. He has like four shows he can watch and, uh, you know, we'll deal with it when he's older. But I think that it's it's interesting because there are, I guess, a lot of kids who are super into this creature that that we think of as looking pretty menacing. Right. But I think there also is this idea that like kids don't have the cultural context to understand necessarily like why Huggy Wuggy looks as terrifying if you're an adult who right. has all these years of horror movie knowledge to draw from. That's true for sure. You know, so I think there's it's it's partly that if you're a kid, you're just like, yeah, it's kind of scary, I guess, but I don't. So yeah, he's got sharp teeth, but what does sharp teeth mean? Right, exactly. Um, so uh, yeah, so I mean, Huggy Wuggy was featured recently in a New York Times article, uh, talking about his his rise and then also the rise of the franchise in which he was created, um, from which he came, and um, he began as a kind of secondary character in this independent video game just uh, called Poppy Playtime. Okay. Yep. Um, and he has since then gained an even larger online presence, uh, thanks to a lot of just unlicensed fan art on sites like YouTube and Twitch. 
Yeah. Uh, you just have a, a lot of creators who have just, for whatever reason, latched on to the idea of this toy and have decided to make all sorts of videos and mashups of it. Here's how old I am. Yes. You said online sites like, and I said, oh, DeviantArt? Like, <laughs> that doesn't exist anymore. I was like, oh, <laughs> gosh, no. <laughs> oh, on Tumblr? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, no, he... Um, it, it, it's very interesting. I mean, the, the the game that he originated in, players could just go around and solve a bunch of various different puzzles, and then he chases them through this toy factory um, and their ventilation system, and he, uh, you know, smiles, and it gets, like, wider and wider, and he has these, like, razor-sharp teeth that he uses to eat the player if they lose us. Oh. If they lose. Um, and, you know, he kind of looks like a like a Muppet from Sesame Street. Sure, yeah. Until he, you know, goes goes bad. Yeah. But the the backstory for him is is pretty interesting. Okay. He is a toy in a toy factory okay. that does R and D on cutting edge children's toys, and there are other toys in this toy factory that are sort of similar to other cutting edge children's toys, and something goes wrong with him. And he breaks out and in trying to contain him, a lot of people in this factory end up getting killed. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he goes like, there's a chase uh, with him through the woods. That's, uh, and this is all stuff that's going to be coming out, I think in the, the upcoming video game. Because like season three, you said. Chapter three. Chapter three so, yeah. yeah. Um, and he also like makes it into a neighborhood and, uh, into a house in one of those neighborhoods. So a lot of parallels, interestingly, yeah. with our film today. Yeah, that's, that is pretty interesting. The other thing that you, uh, you mentioned is like that he has this big smile, which is not, uh, related to the movie that we're covering, but there's another very successful, surprisingly successful horror film from Paramount called Smile that came out this year, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, where it's like, but if you see a smile on someone's face, it's like not really there, but there's like this demon or whatever it is. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's like, by the time you see it, it's already got you and you're, it's like the ring basically. Um, so smiles, not great in 2023 either. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's back up really quickly though, because um, I, I am like fairly into games, right? Um, but mm-hmm. I don't know anything about, I've never heard of Poppy's Playtime before uh, outside of like literally Iris telling me about it. So what's, when did the game come out? Um, for whom, like, wh- how was it played? All that good stuff. Sure. So the game was released originally in October of 2021. And uh, as I think I mentioned before, it's an independent game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was released by uh, by a very small team, um, I think a couple of brothers, on Steam. Okay. And yeah, people yeah. could play it um play it as an independent game on Steam and it just it got huge uh notice because uh, you know somebody like pretty early on somebody ended up playing it uh on their YouTube channel. Okay. So a YouTuber uh shortly after its release walked everybody through the video game and playing Poppy Playtime for his like millions of subscribers. And now this video game has 33, or this video, sorry, has 33 million views. Oh, geez. Um, And the company Mob Entertainment declined, the company that made the game, they declined to share their total numbers of times that people um, have downloaded Poppy Playtime. But uh, 
It it has over 47,000 reviews on Steam. Oh, wow. And it originally was selling for $4.99. Oh, okay. And uh, now it's free. Interesting. So are they doing like in-app purchases, I guess, or is it? I'm, you know, I'm not sure, but it, I mean, the thing that's interesting to me about this, that's the most interesting is the people who made this. So the people who made this are very young. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So Zach Bellinger is right now he's 25. Okay. And um, he, I guess, um, found his way to video game making via a YouTube fan mashup uh, that he was doing with his brother. So at the time he was 18 and uh, his brother was 16 and they were on YouTube and they had popularity with their own like YouTube channel. And then they decided to start making video games that remix familiar characters and properties like indie horror game Five Nights and... Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's on Minecraft. Okay. And so they um, eventually had a small staff and they took the profits from their YouTube videos and they developed and self-published Poppy Playtime. Huh. Good Uh, for them. Yeah. And I mean, this was all between the time that they were like 18 and 25 years old. Wow. And I have to imagine that they're like like millionaires at this point. I mean, you would assume, but yeah, I have no idea how the, the rights break down and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, you know, I mean, you assume they're doing pretty well. Yeah. It's, the, the problem I guess they, they ran into is like a lot of the merch and stuff that people are buying is not something that they're licensing. So they're not getting anything from that. That's exactly right. Arsenio Navarro, Mob Entertainment's Director of Business Development, Estimated that the counterfeit products have cost the company basically millions of dollars. Oh, yeah, of course. In revenue. Yeah. And so they have started to try and crack down because if you go, I, you know, it's been a long time since we've been to New York City at this point, but if you are around uh, the city or if you're in Brooklyn or wherever and you see all of those tables with people selling various yeah, yeah. different like trinkets and stuff, apparently this is huge. Like you just, you'll see Huggy Wuggy yeah. everywhere because it sells. Yeah. And it's, and it is uh, something that they know parents are just going to pay for for their kids for like a $10, like right. ugly little monster. Yeah. It reminds me of when I was a kid and we went to DC and we were walking around and like a lot of people were on, on tables like selling merch and they all had like Calvin and Hobbes stuff. It's like Bill Watterson never sold the rights to Calvin and Hobbes, but everybody has a Calvin peeing on something sticker on the back of their truck, right? Right. It's all just like ripoff stuff. Right. No, that's, that's exactly right. And the... So the the reason that it was such a big deal is because they you know they obviously weren't expecting they're these independent game sellers they were not expecting this game let alone this like secondary character mm-hmm. to blow up the way that it did it took them f- five months from the game's release uh, to develop their own licensed Poppy Playtime products and um, then you know it gave other manufacturers in that time a bunch of opportunity obviously to distribute their own knockoffs mm-hmm. um so they've been fighting the they've been fighting that battle ever since and, and they actually have had to fight uh people squatting on trademarks like around the world because of that and um they're working with importers wow. to destroy entire shipments of like uh fake merchandise Jeez. and shut down like hundreds of fake sellers on Amazon. I'm sure. And eBay and, and all Etsy sorts of, and all that. Yeah. 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 Because I mean, it was just like open, you know, um, open season, open season for a while. Yeah. People were just like going in there and 
making tons of money off of this craze. Yeah. Wow. I, I feel like in another life, if I just wanted to make a bunch of money, I would find something kids love that hasn't been merchandised yet and just make a bunch of knockoffs. <laughs> right. Um, or just game, game algorithms. So, so something else that's interesting about this is that there are conspiracy theories. Love it. I'm in for it. Let's go. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> well, I mean, if you can imagine, like imagine how upset parents got at like garbage pail kids sure, yeah, when yeah, we yeah. were kids yeah. or Picketing and the toys, oh, KB toys in the mall. Yeah. Oh yeah. Parents and teachers got so upset over stuff that like, it, you know, relative to if you're pick, placing a picture of like, you know, garbage pail kids next to huggy wuggy yeah. it looks very, very tame. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so there are a lot of teachers and a lot of parents right now who are very upset over over this doll. Um, well, sure, but it's like I feel like every parent group of parents is like just upset from the things that like came because they're just so used to the things that came before. It's like when Garbage Pail Kids came out, the parents at the time were like, "We our toys were just a stick and a hoop, and if you didn't like that, you just went down to the creek and you <laughs> bashed a turtle into a rock. I don't know what this Garbage Pail Kids are all about." And now it's like, you know parents our age are probably like, well, garbage pill kids were just fun and cheeky and gross, but they weren't violent. And this huggy wuggy's got sharp teeth. What are we doing with this? Like, uh, yeah, well, it's, it's hilarious. So here's a quote from a principal in the UK named uh, David Hegarty, who wrote this on Facebook. Okay, David. Oh no. Oh no. On Facebook. Uh-huh. Oh boy. <laughs> it has been brought to my attention. No. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it up. <laughs> No, I can't do it. I can't do it. Um, it's been brought to my attention that a character named Huggy Wuggy is being viewed by our children online. <laughs> Sorry, that sentence. <laughs> it's been brought to my attention that a character named Huggy Wuggy. This is a person who never reads his own sentences. I know. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna try yeah, and do sorry, the accent sorry, again. Sorry. Hold on. The character has been easily viewed on YouTube channels and is a teddy bear with razor teeth, razor sharp teeth that sings worrying songs about hugging and killing. In one of the videos, the bear asks the viewer to take the last breath. It is a very deceiving character, as hugs <laughs> should be seen as something kind and loving. Thanks, Paddington. <laughs> First of all, uh, not a bear, not a teddy bear. <laughs> Secondly, if it were a teddy bear, guess what bears have? Razor sharp teeth. It's kind of a thing <laughs> with bears. So, anywho. And also marmalade sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so there's that. There's, I think, this other principal in the UK who was saying that there's a game that kids are playing in the playground where they hug and then they whisper nasty things into the hug recipient's ear. Um, and then there's some other conspiracy that um, they basically that that um the character was created maliciously to look like a child's toy so that they could gain the algorithm and brainwash children. Oh, into doing what? Hugging their parents until <laughs> they pop. Is like so we joke, but that's actually one of the like one of the conspiracy theories is that the kids are gonna try and like hurt their parents or something. <sighs> what a world we live in. Just people are just not having a good time, are they? People Right. People need help. <laughs> I think we need more hugs, actually. Thanks, Huggy Wuggy. <laughs> well, and it's it's so funny because the the character itself, again, was made for adults or like close to adults. I mean, sixteen year old, but a sixteen year old made it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's sixteen year olds are not going around making conspiracy theories. They are they are just not. 
they're barely able to conspire to take a shower. Right, right? exactly. They're not capable. It's not within their realm of possibility uh, to to come up with some conspiracy theory along the lines of what some of these adults are thinking. Yeah, but they're just being used for a Zionist conspiracy that's trying to empower people to do hugging. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> like Conspiracy theorists don't need logic to inform their point of view. No. So, so anyways, um, it is, uh, it's definitely an interesting phenomenon and absolutely something that I do not fully understand in the popularity of it. Um, I think we saw that, that Iris was really into this and we were both like just kind of scratching our heads. Well, I think it was just because like, Hey, we had, we hadn't like seen a commercial for right. it. We hadn't seen it on any television or And I think that's the other thing, too, is the virality of it, right? It's like a YouTube thing. And so it's really... It's not on Netflix. It's not, obviously, on Disney. Um, So so where would this have come from? And and it, you know, like her, like millions of other kids at this point, it just comes from other kids on the playground. It comes from YouTube videos. It comes from just like other things that they're watching and the algorithm just sort of serves it up. And it's just... It's just, it's viral. Yeah, it's like, what is being promoted? Um, and then how much does that rabbit hole, like, go down? And it's like, with a game, you know, you see it a lot with, like, the Let's Play videos, right? If you're the kind of person who watches somebody play, you know, Elden Ring or whatever on YouTube or on Twitch, you're going to get a lot of recommendations for watching people play Elden Ring, you know? And so it's right. probably this. It's like, if you're a kid and you're like, oh, this is an interesting character, let's see what's up. Like, once you do that, then now that's where you're going is down that that rabbit hole. Right. And I think rabbit hole was actually something that was mentioned in the in the article is just this is just one of those things where um, a lot of kids have no idea what the origin of Huggy Wuggy even is. They just see a YouTube video and it's just a cast of characters that are sort of there and they just they think that's interesting. And then YouTube serves up another one and they think that's interesting. And it's just you just like you said, they go down a rabbit hole. And before they know it, it's just. It's just another character and they actually don't, uh, most of the kids don't even see any of the scary stuff. They just see kind of like fun, weird, goofy stuff. And so they don't even really realize that like, oh, he's part of this other video game that's like got jump scares and it's kind of a little bit creepier Yeah, um, because they're seeing a lot of the kids content on like YouTube kids or whatever that is a lot more. Like um, more age appropriate. More age appropriate. Yeah. So they don't, they, I think that YouTube used to catch a lot of flack for autoplaying videos um, and having some really terrible yeah. things be served up uh, for children's content. And so they've really tried, they've done a lot to try and curtail that, um, I guess. Yeah. And um, and so if you're doing YouTube kids, then it, you're getting served up a very sanitized version of Huggy Wuggy um, as a child. So, yeah. so it seems like very cute and, and weird, but not anything that's like too scary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think now is the great opportunity yes. for us to talk to an actual child who uh, knows more about this than we ever will. Yes. Yeah. Um, this was a great interview. And Iris, um, I like we both edited into into this show just saying like, wow, I don't know nearly as much as my six-year-old niece yeah. uh, about this character. So um, yeah, everybody, hope you enjoyed this interview. It was a lot of fun. All right, everyone, our next guests need no introduction at all. Uh, You know them best from their work as uh, our brother and brother-in-law and our niece. Uh, Please welcome to The Crosscut, Matt Smith and Iris Smith. 
Hi. Yeah, so Iris um, is our niece. And Iris, how old are you? Six. Six? How are you doing today? Good, and I got this toy. Yeah, what kind of uh, what kind of toy did you say that was from? Monster High. Monster High. So you like monsters, then. Is Monster High pretty scary? I don't think so. No. No. It's just, it's just girls and her friends. It's like an offshoot of Rainbow High, I think. Oh. I don't know either of those. (laughs) (laughs) It's all Star Wars over here. Truthfully, I don't know either. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I'm mad at my dad because he talked over me. Oh, that's true. Matthew is here for support, but this is mostly an Iris interview. Iris, we were wondering, speaking of monsters, we were wondering um, about this toy that we heard of called Huggy Wuggy. Playtime Kill. What is it? From Playtime Co. From Playtime Kill? Playtime Co., like company. Playtime Co. Thank you. Goodness. (laughs) No, I know. I was was like, I haven't heard of that one. Playtime Co. Yes. Um, Where did you first hear about Huggy Wuggy? Because it's it's very popular now. Did you know that? It's on newspaper. Apparently it was in the newspaper recently. But you you heard of it before it was in the newspaper, right? How, How old were you when you think you first heard about Huggy Wuggy? Five? Five. Okay. I see five fingers being held up. Yeah. You get four. Wow. I was free and four and five. Yeah. So you are a trendsetter. I learned. I. I still know it in pre-K. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think that sounds right. I I think that's when I remember you talking about it. That's where I learned playtime co. (laughs) Where Where do you usually see Huggy Wuggy? Um. YouTube. On YouTube, just like in in videos. Yeah. On my, um, and on my toys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toys. So, can I ask, uh, why does Huggy Wuggy have such sharp teeth? Because he was made to be a fun, lovable toy, but then he was he was made out a monster. Oh, I see. Okay. He was supposed to be a monster, but people were supposed to actually love him. And- I see. So it was uh, like they were, he was supposed to be a nice little cuddly thing, but something went wrong and he got sharp teeth? I guess. Okay. Yeah. Why do you like Huggy Wuggy so much? What What about Huggy Wuggy is, uh, yeah, what is it that you like? It's it's because his his head is almost the heart. Oh, his head kind of looks like a heart. It's true. I get that. Yeah, I can see that. What about his teeth? I like it because there's blood. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you think that you get scared pretty easily or no, not really? Shaking your head no. My well, we body gets went- scared, but not my mind. Your body, your body gets, gets scared, oh, but not your mind. That Good to know. Sense. Well, we went on the Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster together and I thought you were going to be so afraid because I was a little bit afraid. She, Jesse was scared, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it went backwards and upside down and in the dark. And what did you say after that was done? Do you remember? I, I love that one. <laughs> she's, been, uh, she's been singing the song by Blondie. Oh, and, sure. Uh, for like three weeks now. Monster. <laughs> nice. I thought that you were going to be terrified. I'm going to get you one way or not. Uh, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. Get you. Get you. Get you one way or not. Uh, 
I don't know that we can afford the rights to that song. <laughs> All right, kiddo. They only got 10 seconds for that before they get demonetized. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you don't get scared pretty easily, it seems like. Have you ever seen Huggy Wuggy in the video game that, that he originally appeared in? Poppy Playtime? Yeah. That's the playtime code. Um, he was in chapter one. Yeah. He was, when you first got in the game, um, he was there smiling like this. Uh-huh. And um, then when you go to an electrical room to fix the lights, he's gone. Oh, no. And then when you try to follow him, his hand's going to be like this and then come back. And then you go through a hallway. And um, she's definitely seen it on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't scare you when he's like, when they do jump scares or anything? Just my body. Just your sure. body. Yeah. <laughs> so when i was a kid there was uh, a movie that i watched that was like a little bit scary um but i think you might know it it has jack skellington and with sally and sally and there's a big scary guy made out of bugs with a sheet around him named oogie boogie i know i know yeah yeah, that was no. a little scary for me when I was a kid, but I think you like those too, right? Yeah, she's a pretty big fan of The Nightmare Before Christmas. Nice. I love Nightmare Before Christmas. I had ice cream with cinnamon toast crunch with it. That explains a lot. <laughs> and I asked for chocolate syrup. <laughs> Matt, do you ever f- worry that Iris is going to have bad dreams or do you feel like it's um, not really that's been a problem? So at first I worried a little bit with uh, Poppy's playtime because, again, she was like three when she first found out about it. Yeah. Um, but honestly, not really. I do monitor if it gets too mature. If yeah. she likes more mature things, like as we walk down – as we walk our dogs and we go past a sewer system, she always yells for Pennywise. She's like, Hey, Hey Pennywise, are you there? And, uh, she's never seen it, but right, that's right. like, she you know, lo- loves those kind of things. So I'll make sure she doesn't actually see the source material, but with stuff like right. that, not really. But I think I read that it doesn't really um, get too, too scary if it's on YouTube kids. It's not on YouTube kids. It well, it's not at all. I will say we don't really use YouTube kids because it doesn't work too well with our YouTube red. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's not a big fan of uh, commercials, so. For sure. Oh, yeah. I could see them. That's, <laughs> That's bizarre. And my classmates love commercials. I don't know why, but I hate commercials. We're not fans of commercials over here. Do you know what Cassius says anytime we have a commercial come on? Mm. He says, boo. <laughs> <laughs> boo. Iris, are you excited for chapter three to come out? Yeah, there's not a chapter three yet. No, I think like I saw a trailer one. for it, though. Well, people have been... So the workers of Poppy Playtime, um, the ones that made the game, they're uh-huh. actually doing some little leaks of Poppy Playtime on YouTube. So um, they actually put a little tiny clip. You, you get a gold hand and a purple hand. Oh. And you... And also, um, there's a trap. Um, there's no chapter for you. Um, there's only like a trailer for the one that's 
not a chapter free. It's not chapter free yet. It's just a non-chapter. It's not even oh. a chapter. Um, some of my friends at school they say um, it's actually a chapter, but I don't think it's actually a chapter. It's a it's a preview for a chapter love. Yeah, I it's think I saw the preview for the chapter. Preview for it. They like huggy wuggy escapes. Before it comes out. Well, yeah. It will have, I think it will have Killy Willy in it. Yeah, it'll have mm. Killy Willy and more kissing this minute. My last question, Iris, do a lot of your friends at school know who Huggy Wuggy is? Um, yeah. I have a friend William, a friend Landon, a friend Finley, a friend Gabriel. Um, yeah. There's a lot. Oh, okay. All right. So it's a pretty big thing with, with uh, six-year-olds. Good buddy. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and we uh we went to the park one day, and she brought her toy with her. Um, she brought Kissy Missy, I think. Actually, Kissy Missy and Huggy Wuggy. Yeah, and, and I left. And every single kid at the park was singing the Huggy Wuggy theme song as oh, she wow. walked by. My gosh! But, like <laughs> ten, like ten kids were just started randomly singing the Huggy Wuggy theme song as she no, walked by. No, I'm I'm the one who's singing. I was like, I sing it over and over. The same age, Huggy. Huggy Wuggy, we do until you pop your friend Huggy. That's not actually fun. I really well, need look, is Anything's better than Blippy, right? So it's fine. That's true. Uh, as she started liking more adult-themed things, then I was more interested in it as well. Sure, <laughs> so, sure. That's a, a, a plus. Well, thank you so much for joining us and uh, and for, for talking to us about this because it is a completely like brand new... <laughs> Yeah. world yeah absolutely um i'm sure she would say it's fun but she ran off to the bathroom so yeah, yeah. thanks to nana for uh the sugar <laughs> yes <laughs> powering um, powering our there was, there was ice cream and cinnamon toast crunch and chocolate syrup involved so <laughs> wow <laughs> Thank you again to Iris and Matt for uh, joining the podcast. It was really, really illuminating to hear her talk about how she came to like the character and like what she thought about it. And, yeah, and just get some like interpersonal experience uh, with that. It was it was really, really kind of neat to hear her take on it. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, it's something that again we were just kind of intrigued by, and I think that it's just a, a world that we are just not privy to. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, 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 I was tempted at one point to say during the interview, it's like, oh, I'm just old. I'm not really in that world. I'm like, oh wait, I have a five year old, so I am in the world of kid stuff. Yeah. But there, there's just so much media for everyone, including yeah. kids, that well, you just can't know everything. Yeah, and I mentioned on the on the um, interview, I think it's like we also don't like expose Cassius to Blippy, which is not scary, at least you know in the traditional sense. But it's just like inane. And it's like, well, yeah, we're just going to not show you that. I think, though, there are just like, you know, it's one of those things where there's just there's like four or five things that we say, OK, this is stuff that like he enjoys and that we can stand to have on in the background. Yeah. And and that is probably somewhat educational and like checks all the boxes yeah. um, and is not going to like amp him up too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and so we just have our sort of set set shows that we that we allow well you know what one of the things is is out there huh a murdering android robot oh two 
little qualifiers before we go into the movie. Yeah. Uh, first is if you are a child under the age of 18 or whatever it is. Uh, actually, I guess this movie is PG-13. So is it? Oh, it is. Okay. Uh, we'll get into that in a second. But uh, if you're under the age of 13, parental guidance uh, would be useful for listening to the rest of this podcast. We will be discussing a robot that uh, does some bad things. And then secondly, uh, we actually did watch the unrated cut of this on Peacock. Oh, okay. So in theaters, um, it was PG-13. Ours would have been rated R. Okay. Um, but I don't think there was that much that they changed, to be honest with you. Like, I, I looked at a lot of the differences, and there wasn't a whole lot. So. Yeah, yeah. I have some guesses at some of the differences. But yeah, and if, if anybody is a regular listener, you may have noticed that we have been not cursing just in case, doing my best. Our interviewee um, was interested in listening to this episode. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, this is a, a, a cursing-free episode uh, this week, and uh, we are going to be talking about the the movie. But I will say, now is probably a good time to turn it off if they aren't old enough to talk about or like see things or you know, yeah, if they're hear about, about things people like getting. Uh, K-I-L-L-E-D. Removed from existence. Removed from this astral plane. Yeah. But also, it's a make-believe movie that none of this really happened. So keep that in mind, too. Right. And I get very afraid from horror films, and I was fine. Yeah, I'm never scared. Okay. Well, brag about it. It's all make-believe. Anyway, so this film, like I mentioned, came out early this year, in the sixth day of January. Uh, and it was directed by a guy by the name of Gerard Johnstone, written by Akila Cooper, who I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Um, the the way it worked was the production company that uh, filmed this. Was, so um, I don't know if you know uh, James Wan, but he did like the Annabelle and like Conjuring and like all of those movies. has has a uh, studio that is very focused on um, like horror, like that sort of small budget, low budget, mid-level budget horror. Okay. Um, and so he and one, or actually, I guess one of his uh, producing partners uh, just went to the American doll store. Okay. And just had a thought. He was like, what if one of these things killed people? <laughs> yeah. And, and that was the impetus for the story. So they got in touch with Akila Cooper, who um, I think had already written or was in the process of writing Malignant for them. Um, and so that was, you know, a really good, uh, thing for her to do. She wrote two movies back to back that were both very successful. Um, and then she basically said, um, that she was writing it to be an R-rated, R-rated horror film, right? Mm -hmm. So a little more gore, a little more blood and guts and stuff. Um, and what happened was there were like COVID issues. So they had to move it to New Zealand. They were just running away from the virus basically. Yeah, no kidding. That caused a big shift in production schedule. When they went and got it uh, reviewed by the MPAA, they were like, oh, this is an R rating because you've got a lot of bloody murders going on here. Mm -hmm. So they were like, well, it's fine. We were planning on it being uh, an R rated film, but it was actually pretty close to a PG-13. All they had to do was reshoot a couple of scenes to tone the violence down in order to get a PG-13. And the reason they went for that Mm -hmm. was because they released a teaser and I don't know if you remember this, but it's why you think that you that this movie came out in the summer of 2022. Oh, okay. The teaser was uh, the Megan robot doing that little dance down the hallway. Maybe 
I recall that, you know, my memory. Yeah, yeah. she's got that little, like the arm swinging side to side. No, no, I mean, leg. I recall the, the dance. Yeah. I'm just trying to remember if I recall the teaser. Yeah, but that went viral on TikTok. And okay. then there was a, like a TikTok challenge to do the Megan dance oh. on, on the social media platform. And once that took off, especially with, you know, teens, right. like a universal, I was like, uh, oh, oh, yeah, <laughs> we have to make this PG-13 so the kids can go. Like, we make it rated R, it's, it's going to flop, right? Right. And so so they did. They said, we're going to do the reshoots. We're going to make it PG-13. It'll be just as effective because we're not actually cutting that much. And they were off to the races, right? So that's sort of the genesis of the story, like how it came to be an actual movie. Mm-hmm. There are some interesting things in the production, but the big question you want to know is how do they do Megan? Right. Yeah. Okay. So in terms of plot, uh, we start out with uh, a young actress by the name of Violet McGraw playing the character Katie. Mm -hmm. She is a young girl, I believe eight years old in the movie. In the backseat of a car, her parents are driving her up to some ski vacation Some snowy road. Yep. And they get run into by a snowplow. They don't make it. Uh, the little girl is left orphaned and has to go with the uh, her aunt, basically. Her her mom's sister. And she, it, she, when she's in the back of the car, when all of this is happening, she's playing with a toy that's like a little robot that connects to an app that her parents are fighting about, which yeah. her aunt gave to her. And yes. it's revealed that her aunt works at the, the, the toy, toy company. company that produces the, the, the doll. Yeah. And for all intents and purposes, this toy company can easily be compared to a major software company or a video game company, right? Right. Like they're doing like advanced like robotics. Right. The doll is like, it looks like a Furby, but it has an app and it's basically a a Tamagotchi. Yeah. And, but it's like, it, it can respond to conversations that are happening in the car, even, even, you know, glibly, but, um, and so the way that they're building this stuff out is not as like, oh, it's just a simple toy you touch and it does something. It's responsive to the user in some way. Right. What's it's the, basically what's the, just setting it up. What's for, the phrase that they use? Is it spontaneous conversation? Um, spontaneous yes. responses? That's right. So they're saying it's like purely spontaneous responsive that is uh, using AI, I yep. assume. Do they ever say AI? I don't remember. But uh, they, they do for Megan, yeah. clearly. Yeah. Okay. Um, but they are saying that it's not like canned scripts or anything like that. That right. it's like actual conversations that are generated from the AI. That's right. So... Uh, the aunt is played by Allison Williams. Her name is Gemma. She takes in Katie and doesn't know what to do with her. I found this to be like the most like actually like painful part of the movie. Right. Uh, just because she's like so bad at this. She's so bad, but she's also so uninterested in being better. Yeah. And it's like, why why are you even fighting to have this girl here? You don't seem like you really want her around. No. Yeah. And it's like, like she like walks around and she's like, well, make yourself at home. I'm like, show her her room, get her some food, like do a thing for the child. Like, right, anyway. right. It's like, this isn't your new roommate. Right, right. Um, pause really quickly, because I did have to look up who, um, what, Allison Williams, is that her name? Yep. Allison Williams is, and I was like, man, her face looks familiar. Mm-hmm. I was thinking as almost like a, an Amanda Peet kind mm-hmm. of, sure, yeah. you know, yep. just uh, very beautiful um, but like sort of square face or, you know, just yeah, good, strong bone structure. Yeah. Strong draw, good yeah, good yeah. bone structure, tall. And, and I looked it up and I guess she's in the other uh, she's in Get Out. horror film yes. that I've seen in the somewhat recent past. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, baby. Can't do that. Can't give you the keys. Yeah. yeah. She, uh, so she's in, she's been the, the girlfriend from Get Out. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic in that. She was also in the show Girls. Yes. 
And yeah. she is um, Brian Williams, daughter. Brian Williams daughter. Yep. That's right. So uh, she's, you know, uh, working with Katie. Basically, what happens is uh, the impetus of the story is she's been working on this uh, Android toy that, and, you know, called Megan. Um, and she's like, well, I can get it set up and maybe Megan can help me with Katie. And so she introduces Megan to Katie, Katie and Megan, they pair and now they're connected. Right. So it's basically like, uh, parenting for, uh, Allison Williams. So she doesn't have to do it herself. Right. Yeah. Megan takes over a lot of the sort of, she, as she calls it, monotonous, repetitive, repetitive parts, parts of, of parenting, parenting yeah. where you're just like constantly having to tell your kid to like wash, wash your hands. hands. Don't forget to flush. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the little montage that they have of Megan interacting with Katie is is pretty funny because yeah. she she clearly is like getting a little bit of an attitude with the kid, too. Yeah. She's like, as like they're narrating like and she'll never get upset. She'll right. always be patient. Right. Katie. Flush the toilet. <laughs> yeah. Like, or she's like, Katie, I need you to wash your hands. And then like the third time she doesn't wash her hands, she's like, come on, Katie, are you kidding me? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and the other thing that we see is like when Katie is, is introduced to Alison Williams, like Alison Williams has all these old toys in her house that they're collectibles. That she's not supposed to play with. And one of them is like the first that she, first thing she built when she was in school was like a big robot named Bruce, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, you put on these gloves and you can control Bruce. That's going to come back later in the story. But um, what, what we very quickly get to is you made a robot with a learning module that you didn't give any like restrictions to or framework for how to learn. Mm-hmm. And so it just turns evil because right. that's what all computers that's do. That's what happens with every single AI that gets just connected to the internet. What Have are you doing? Have seen Skynet and you Terminator? Know, like, you know that this doll is super racist probably also. Oh, just yeah. based off of having no parameters and being connected to the internet, you created a white supremacist doll lady. Yeah. So in, in the beginning, uh, the first thing that happens is there's a nosy next door neighbor who has a dog that comes out of the fence all the time. And in this situation, grabs Megan, pulls her through the fence. Katie tries to save Megan. Dog bites Megan. Megan says, oh, I have to protect Katie. Later that night, goes out, kills the dog. Uh, that is, I think, probably the only like like plot misstep, I think, from this movie. Okay. Which is when a movie chooses to have a character kill the dog. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it is to indicate that that character is bad, but oftentimes it makes people think that the movie is callous. Mm-hmm. And so just I, for any aspiring filmmakers out there, be careful. Don't just go around killing dogs, even if it's the bad guy killing the dogs to show that they're bad. Right. Just, just, just careful. careful. There's, there's things that you could do, right? Yeah. Cause first of all, it's not really the dog's fault. Like they did have the dog actively maim the child. Right. So, I, I think that they were like, okay, we're going to try and make sure that this dog seems like it's... They made the dog pretty bad, so yeah. Right, right. So, I mean, they they did do that, but there's things that could have also been done with the dog. Yeah. You know, it could have been sent away or, you know, like... It, so, I was I was like, ooh, you are walking a line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But, you know, it, it's not the worst killing in the movie, right. so... Well, don't worry. They make up for it by having Megan also kill the owner of the dog, <laughs> so... right. Which is also, so here's the thing I'll say about the script, though, is um, I think the writer did a, a pretty excellent job because it's it's so tight. The script gets you into the plot of the film, like the main plot of the film within like five minutes, mm-hmm. you know, 
Um, they very quickly expedite like how this kid comes to this lifestyle. And then they, everything that they, they show you is essentially like a Chekhov's gun, right? You know, that it's going to, you know, that it's going to come back for, for whatever. And, and I know that this is true because all of my notes basically just predict what's going to be happening, but I'm not like bored necessarily as I'm doing it, but all of my notes in this are like, oh, that lady's going to die. Oh, that dog is not long for this world. Right, right. 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 And, and so I think the writer does a really good job of, of sort of setting things up in yeah. a way that, that makes you say like, okay, like I, I can definitely see where this is going. It, it very much follows the conventions of a horror film where it's like somebody walks into the house and says, I think we should split up. It's like, oh, you're dead. Mm-hmm. Like, and you, and that's part of the fun of a horror film is to say like, oh, I know what's going to happen to you. Let's just wait. I'm waiting for the kill now. Right. And, and she's not even trying to subvert those expectations. Um, as you mentioned before, in a post-Scream world, everybody is a little bit more savvy about how these things work because you had characters explicitly calling it out in that very iconic yeah. scene. And so it's not something that the, that the writer is that's not the way the writer is trying to surprise the audience. Yeah. Right. The writer isn't trying to like say like, Oh, I have to make them think, are they going to live? Are they not? Right. You know? And so the writer is in a way freed up, I think to surprise the audience or entertain the audience in other ways. Yeah. So actually, uh, now that I'm looking at my notes, um, she doesn't even, Megan doesn't even kill the neighbor until later. The actual first human kill is about 56 minutes into the movie. Um, the Katie is going to a new school, which is like some hippie school. Um, and she demands to bring Megan with her. Mm-hmm. And this is, oh, yeah, we can set her on the toy table. Yeah, great. That's going to work out super well. With these giant, giant toys. Yeah, there's like somebody brought like a, a uh, like a state fair sized teddy bear. Well, and so what's funny is because they're like, oh, she can be on the toy table. And I'm like, all right, well, this doll is very literally the size of an eight year old child. Yeah. It is a huge toy. Yeah. How big is this toy table? And then they cut to the toy table and she is like one of the medium to smaller yeah. size toys on this table. It's, Why are all these kids bringing these giant, giant animals is, into the woods? It is really funny to me. <laughs> like that. I like, I'm not sure if it's funnier that she's like, uh, like a medium sized toy amongst all of these like giant stuffed animals. Or if it would have been funnier to have her like sitting on a table, like surrounded by like, like Lego figures or just like really small things. And <laughs> like, she's like this giant thing around. Right. Like, a bunch exactly. Of small toys. I'm not sure, but it was the 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 comparison was very funny mm-hmm. um but anyway at this point um there's a jerk kid who is uh picking on katie jerk kid is definitely an understatement i mean they obviously wanted to set the dog up earlier yeah. on to be something where you're like oh that thing's gotta go and yeah. they kind of do the same thing with this kid <laughs> they do and I, the problem is like it's he's still like a minor i mean he's you know Oh, I mean, yes, but they they do their darndest for you to say like, okay, if this were, yeah, um, if 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 uh, Megan were not around, this would actually just be the movie The Good Son. That yeah, I, I very much thought about The Good Son at this point. I was like, oh, you're just uh, Macaulay Culkin from that movie, yeah. Right, like yeah. the the kid is the the kid is the main character in his own horror story. That's right. Yes. Well, that main character did not last very long because Megan chased him down and basically pushed him in front of a truck. Right. So he got smushed. Now the, the, this is probably a good point to stop and talk about Megan mm. because, um, like we need the to construction talk about Megan. Yeah. The construction of Megan, mm. um, because in this scene, 
there are some really interesting things that they do. One is Megan runs on all fours like an animal. Right. Um, which is is a nice sort of uh, commentary on like the state of like a robot. Like mm-hmm. robots actually don't really run very well on like two legs. Right. But you can put them on all fours and they'll gallop like a horse, you know. Um, and, and we actually do have very terrifying looking robots. Thanks, boss. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right now that run similarly to how Megan was running. Yep. And uh, she also does this thing where um, she like the the kid like had her on her back and was like slapping her or whatever. Like mm-hmm. what a what a little nightmare this kid was. Um, and she rips his ear off. Well, the he, kid's like not only slapping her, but he's starting to like rip her clothes off. Yeah. too. And so he she pulls his ear off and he runs away screaming and she gets up and like basically from a lying back position, arches her back and is able to like come to a stand mm-hmm. from that position. Um, Which she does several times in the film later yeah. on. Those were all done by a real actress in costume. Oh. Yeah. So the, the... Wait, the running also? The running also, yep. What? Yep. So this was, there was a, a um, young girl by the name of Amy Donald, a dancer in New Zealand who at the time was 11 years old and just had amazing body control, worked with a team of like three different people, stunt coordinators and choreographers, to master the movements of Megan. And so what that means is that you get these really fluid, really good looking, like chaotic and like like creepy performances in areas like that, that are not CG. That is wild. Yeah. Yeah, are there videos of this online? Yeah, yep. Yeah. So um, I can show you a picture of her um, in like that scene where she does the dance in the hallway before yeah. getting the Ronnie Chen character. Like it, her without the face being done. So the way they did it was she wore a latex mask um, while performing. Anytime you see Megan running mm-hmm. or oh, in a wide shot, it is uh, it is Amy Donald. Okay. Um, and they put a, a mask over her and they would tie her hair back and stuff. And then they would uh, do the face later in CGI. So the face and the eyes and the hair were pretty much always CG. Okay. But all the movements were her. Mm-hmm. And then in close-up, they had two different ways of doing it. I guess medium close-up, they would use a puppet. Okay. And then in uh, they were, they were also uh, for like even closer with eye movements, some mouth movements and stuff, they would use an animatronic uh, like robot. Oh, okay. And so they had two people controlling the animatronic robot, one remote for the left side of the face, one remote for the right side of the face, in order to make it look a little bit more uncanny or a little bit uh, like creepier. The eyelids were, would touch the eyeballs as they go down. So it just creates a, a really like uh, unnatural, but like very like compelling sort of viewpoint. Mm-hmm. So they had to like spray like liquid tears into the eyes, like every uh, between every take just to keep them lubricated so that they wouldn't stick. Oh. Sometimes they would stick in the middle of takes and stuff. It was very crazy. That's wild. So it didn't always marry up correctly though. Uh, the director said, we figured out a day before we started shooting that these things don't quite marry up. Um, it was hard work, a lot of painstaking hours, but full credit to the team. It's pretty seamless. You can't really tell what you're looking at, which is a testament to them. So a lot of effects work after the fact. And um, because it was shot in New Zealand, they used Peter Jackson's Weta, um, which is the the company responsible for the Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. um, back in the day. Like very, very good. What do you mean by it doesn't marry up? So when you like you cut from one shot uh-huh. where you're in in like close up or medium and it's an animatronic or it's a you know puppet 
and then you back up and like the the Megan stands up and like walks across the room and mm-hmm. it's the the actress. Mm-hmm. They would say like, oh, well, we can tell that those look different. Oh, okay. those don't look like the same thing. I gotcha. And so they actually had to do some work on that. They didn't use Amy Donald's uh, voice, right? She's 11. right. So the voice actor was someone named Jenna Davis, who was I think eighteen at the time, um, had had some experience in like online and and TV stuff. Um, she pre um, she she came in and did voiceover after the fact. Okay, but for the actual filming, there was someone named Kimberly Crossman who had programmed lines into the animatronic Megan. <laughs> And so, um, she, like, they would just push a button, and the animatronic Megan would say that line on set, and then the cast would respond to those lines, um, while the team behind the puppet did the like animatronic controls to make. So the it face felt move. very real then, probably for the actors. Yeah, or at least a lot more real than you then know. Like, here's see, a ten- talking to a tennis ball. Here's a tennis ball. That's right. Right. Yeah. So the one, the only problem was, um, it meant that on the day of. If they had a note that was like, can we slow this down or can we change this line? They'd have to have a actual programmer go off to the side and like reprogram the phrases in the robot (laughs) and like slow it down or change the words or whatever. So kind of funny, a lot of work, a lot of technology put in and the budget of the film was $12 million. It was not that expensive. So that's wild. Kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, th- did that answer every question you had about the construction of the the robot? Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna have to go and watch these videos of this. Yeah. Like, what? How old did you say that she was? Eleven. Eleven. That's that's wild. Very small, eleven year old child. Yeah, and an incredible dancer. Like, yeah. I don't know if you remember that hallway scene, but yes. she does like a hands hands no hands cartwheel. Yes. Like wild. Yeah, she does the no hands cartwheel and then she lands on her feet directly in front of the paper cutter and rips it off all mm-hmm. in like one fluid seamless m- movement. Yep. It I I I assumed it was CG because it was done so well. But I it looked too good to be CG. Yeah, yeah. So I was not like I said I was really just like not figuring out how they did it. Yeah. Like like it looked too good to be CG and so then the alternative that it's practical meant that you had to find somebody that has the body of a child. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Cause like, how could a child do this? But I guess a child did it. Yep. So it's and so, amazing. And here's the thing that dance. Yeah. Not in the script. So the director and, and the actress got on, uh, like got, was like, well, we need something here. We got to have like a little moment or something. Um, the, the young girl was a dancer, right? So right. she was like, I, yeah, let's, you know, I'd love to dance. She went off with the choreographer, planned it out, and they just put it in. They're like, we're going to sneak this in here just to see, you know, if we can even get it into the, the final edit. Sure did. And guess what? That's the reason this movie is a success. Yeah. Like that little dance is the reason. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we kind of we can get through the plot pretty quickly, which is Megan goes wild, kills a bunch of people, uh, tries to kill Allison Williams, Gemma character yeah. and Katie doesn't. Well, cause because she also realized that they're trying to shut her down. Like they realize that she's a killer. She realizes that they're trying to like right. shut her down. It's the same, you know, the age old tale of robot comes to life. That's right. People try to stop robot. Robot tries to kill people. That's right. The, yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then they use old robot to fight new robot. That's it's right. Terminator two. And so, yeah, that's it. Um, they, they, they supposedly win, but at the very end, like, it turns out that uh turns out robots don't actually need their spinal cords 
to work the upper part of their bodies. Yeah, correct. And so uh, it seems like maybe Megan uh, moved her consciousness to the cloud. Um, also, like there was a guy who worked for the toy company that made Megan who stole a bunch of files and sent them to another toy company. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's there's code for Megan out there in the world somewhere. So, right. Well, so like new toy company is going to make new bad Megan and then cloud Megan is going to learn and have to stop new bad Megan. That's the that's your sequel. There you go. It's Terminator 2. We're ready to go. <laughs> um, speaking of sequel, already a green light. Megan. Threequel. Well, Megan 2.0 is mm. the name of the sequel. Oh, is it? Yes. Because it's not Meg Fortin, which is what I would <laughs> have assumed. Uh, I guess it's not surprising that they that they decided to make it a C. I think it was just like surprising to me because I was like, oh, I actually enjoyed this. I think it's like it's so tongue in cheek. Like, how can you make a sequel out of it? But I guess, you know, it, they're going to do it because they made a bunch of money. Yep. And speaking of that, uh, it is the first Hollywood film within the last 45 years to be released on the first Friday of January. Yeah. And obtain a fresh score from Rotten Tomatoes. Oh. So traditionally films released on or like early in January, especially horror films, uh, receive negative reviews from critics because it is considered sort of a dumping ground. Right. And uh, it's because like all of the movies that are trying to qualify for Oscars have to come out before the end of the calendar year. So all of the studios are like have depleted all their good content at mm-hmm. the end of December. They're like, well, we'll just dump some stuff in January. This one did incredibly well. Um, it is uh, the first release in over a decade since 2012's The Devil Inside to open above $30 million in the first week of the new year. How did it do at the box office? All right, so would you, would you like to take a guess for its total domestic box office? Keep in mind, I said that it opened to about $30 million, a little over. Total domestic box office so far? Two hundred and twelve million. You are very ambitious. No, oh, nine, I don't know. Ninety-four uh, and a half. Ninety-four point okay. five million. <laughs> um, worldwide, one hundred and seventy-one million. Okay. So on a twelve million dollar budget, yeah, Universal is very happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. And I mean, like I said, it's the 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 writer is clearly very clearly very talented, right? Yeah. You know, you can tell that um, they know how to write a tight script that sets up what they're trying to do is a very clear act structure and, you know, has all the characters that you need to write a compelling horror film. Yep. And to, to that point, um, she was named as one of Variety's 10 screenwriters to watch, uh, in 2021. So, yeah. Um, not a surprise. And if you were watching her in 2021, then I guess you were very happy. (laughs) You were unsurprised. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think all in all we're, um, you know, we just finished our run of Oscar Best Picture nominees um, leading up to this episode. I, you know, we've already covered this one for when it gets nominated for the Oscars in 2024. But uh, <laughs> no, just kidding. But, uh, you know, I, 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 my takeaway was this was exactly what I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not doing too much. Um, there are a couple of eye roll bits. There are a couple of things like, oh, you should do this instead of that. Or, you know, a couple of things where the technology does not work this way or whatever. But right. Like, who cares? Like, it's a fun movie. You're just supposed to get in and enjoy the ride, and and it's very good for that. What did you think? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. You were you were so curious last night to know my my thoughts on it, so we had to go ahead and record right away. 
Yes, that's right. That's right. Uh, so that so that I could tell you. Uh, no, I enjoyed it. I, as I men- have mentioned many times, I'm not really super into horror movies generally, but I think that this was done well. Um, and it's not like you know, it's not like super gory or anything like that. Not really. There's a couple moments, but it's nothing that is gonna like keep me up at night or anything right, like right. that. Which is the thing that I worry about the most with horror films. Yeah. Uh, so no, uh, enjoyed it very much. Would recommend it to people as just like a fun, you know, kind of scary movie. Um, yeah, I liked it. Nice. The only thing that I, I haven't heard people talk about is the, that Gemma, Allison Williams character yeah. is actually like evil. <laughs> like she is a bad person. Oh yeah. No, she's not good. Like she, uh, her toys are like secretly recording kids conversations uh-huh. to use for like Megan's brain. Um, and they very much gloss over that part. They're like, don't yeah. tell me that you've done that. And she's like, Oh, let me show you what we've learned though. Yeah. And then she also is, uh, using her orphan niece as a test subject for her new toy. Like she's bad. She's She's, using her orphan niece as a test subject for this brand new technology that's untested and unproven, but she's also using her brand new technology as a proxy for her as a parent or guardian to her child. And she seems completely unfazed by the fact that she has lost her sibling. Yep. Unfazed. Yeah. Got to get that work project in. Yeah. Just uh, does not do. I don't know if that's like the point, but she did like, there's not a lot of, emotion shown by this person um yeah she's she's not great uh, as a person right and uh also not a great developer because she couldn't even think of a kill switch for the like robot just like say the word pineapple surprise and the robot turns off like right don't bet on on you being able to trick this robot multiple times into looking into a pen yeah yeah. How about how about something that doesn't require them to physically do something? Yeah. Just anyway. But you know what? Like I said, we we accept all of these flaws and enjoy Megan <laughs> anyway. So yes. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Yes. Wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you, Iris. Thank you, Matt. Yay. Uh, we very much enjoyed having you on. Um, and yeah, follow us on Twitter. We are at the Crosscut, or on Instagram, we are at the Crosscut Pod. And uh, who knows what we're talking about next week because it is still technically February for us right now. Yay! You know what? <laughs> Recording in advance. <laughs> all right. Uh, Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye.